morning and welcome to a very special episode of The Wife Who. Because tonight, Louise, it's our Halloween episode. Are you excited? Yay! I'm so excited. I'm really scared as well because I think it's going to be like Hammer Horror. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty much. That's the thing. So this is uh, so I'm Caroline, and this is Louise. Welcome. Hello. And uh, it's my my turn to do an episode. I have tried to pick one that is very spooky, spooky. for you. Well, maybe not spooky, more just like murdery. Um, <laughs> that counts. Because we right? love a good murder, don't we, Caroline? <laughs> yeah, we do. Love a good murder in the <laughs> nicest possible way. Obviously, not anyway. Anyway, is there, is there a nice kind of murder? <laughs> they're fascinating murders are fascinating aren't they but um yeah i don't want anyone to think that we're like condoning murder here because we're not in any way not in any way (laughs) um but tonight for halloween we are going to talk about murder because it's that time of year so welcome to our the waifu halloween special (laughs) (laughs) and um this this is it's actually a really interesting story, but I'm going to put a disclaimer on it. So quite a bit of it is alleged. Um, <laughs> so it's up to you to decide how much of this you actually think is true and how much of it is just nonsense that's been made up over the years because it's more fun that way. Um, we will see. But tonight, Louise, I'm going to tell you the story of the wife who bathed in blood to stay young. go on yeah i was just gonna say you know you said how it's alleged so she sounds like she's a ledge is this like an alleged (laughs) an alleged ledge (laughs) very good (laughs) well you tell me at the end of this story whether she's an alleged ledge or what (laughs) but she is genuinely 100 percent in the guinness book of records as the most prolific serial killer in human history She's in the Guinness Book of Records for being the most prolific serial killer. Yeah, that's right. She beats any man hands down. Right, because we women do stuff best. (laughs) When we do it, we do it properly, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's going to be some, you know, some genesis in there. And I will tell you the story um, of of where it comes from and, and which bits I think are real. But before we get into it... Clearly, this should, I mean, I should have done this right at the start, a trigger warning that if you don't like hearing about literal bloodbaths, tonight's Halloween episode is not for you, guys. Okay, so without further ado, this is a story about Countess Elizabeth Battery de Exed. Great name, huh? That's quite an impressive name. She was obviously of the aristocracy. Yes. Oh, more than you can imagine. So she's of um, Hungarian descent and she lived between 1560 and 1641. And she was known as the Blood Countess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So she's born in Hungary in 1560. And I'm going to say right now that in 1560, Hungary and the surrounding area didn't look the same as Hungary and the surrounding area looks today on the map. So the the borders have been redrawn. And I'm really sorry, Lou, but as usual, I do not have all of the detailed information about what that area looks like now. However, her dad was an important baron and he married the daughter of the ruling prince in charge of Transylvania. 
<laughs> so we've yeah, got the Dracula and, connection. Yeah, we do. And at this point in history, Transylvania is a region in the Kingdom of Hungary. Um, oh, now, yeah, okay. so we've got all these links here. Baby Elizabeth, who, of course, we're here to talk about today, her uncle also becomes the Prince of Transylvania. So um, I have actually put a note here that Transylvania, it was what would be the large central area of what's now Romania. This is a powerful family, right? So they're they're all in charge. They're the bosses. And what do we know about powerful families from back in this era? That's right, inbreeding. So <laughs> incest. <laughs> Absolutely. So there's a lot of inbreeding and it is attributed to this that as a child Elizabeth has some health issues including epilepsy. And she has frequent seizures and other complaints that are thought to be from inbreeding. Now, I'm not saying everybody at home that if you've got epilepsy, you're inbred. That is absolutely not what I'm saying, guys. <laughs> but I promise you, I do not think that. Um, but it is cited in the text that I read that she had a series of um, complaints, health complaints that were thought to be to do with inbreeding. And one of the things that was wrong with her was epilepsy. And this is where it starts to get weird. Are you ready? So she's just a kid I don't at this know. point. Let me make sure the light's switched on. <laughs> okay, so at the time, treatments for epilepsy, which of course they didn't really understand as an illness back then, right? So at the time, you would be treated for this by taking some blood from someone who doesn't have epilepsy and rubbing it onto the lips of the person having the seizure. So right. just to be clear, she's like eight years old and she's drinking blood essentially. <laughs> yeah so the good start and one of the other ways they would treat it is by giving you a drink of blood with a piece of skull bone inside of it a drink of blood with yeah. a piece of skull so you've got to swallow the skull bone yeah. I, yes why i do not know i have no okay. idea um but apparently this was seen as a really good way to treat epilepsy so i mean we've got genuine blood drinking at this point in Transylvania so already I was when I was learning about this and researching I was thinking god wouldn't it be amazing if Dracula was actually based on a woman from history can you imagine how cool that would be if it turned out that all this time that would Dracula was a woman. all the history wouldn't it yeah I don't think that's quite the case but it's still really interesting that we've got this story going on in that area that we know is famous for Dracula so Bring on the, the female Draculas, right? I, this makes me think, when did the vampire kind of theory start, you know? From, like, historical literature. Like, how yeah, long has that I, been a thing? The theory of sort of vampires has been around for the longest time. But I think Dracula, as in the Bram Stoker Dracula, was the first time that Vlad the Impaler and, you know, Transylvania and, and the creepy sort of that whole thing was really associated together mm -hmm. so this is definitely before that so for centuries at the time of bram stoker we've had these sort of weird blood drinking transylvanian stories for a long time right that's kind of interesting anyway moving on so not only is she a blood drinking child but she's also brought up in this as you said super aristocratic family who are massively in charge and they are not afraid to show their power by basically just 
attacking and whipping, brutalizing all of the local peasants for the tiniest misdemeanors, all of their servants, they'll just whip them for insolence all the time. So constant, cruel displays of punishment and stuff. So it's, you know, it's not the nicest environment for a child to be brought up in. Yeah. There are also rumors around this time that one of her uncles practiced and taught her Satanism apparently <laughs> Again, satanism whether that was true or created later I, i'm not sure i think probably that's a bit made up um it's but i can well believe that they were cruel to the peasants and stuff underlings during this period well there's not that many aristocrats that come out with a good reputation when it comes to <laughs> peasants is there yes yeah, especially not in the 16th century right i mean uh, yeah exactly <laughs> She does, however, get herself a pretty standard upper-class education. Um, for that time, it's not bad. She learns some languages, including Latin. I mean, she's her family are loaded, and she gets the best possible education for a woman at the time. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, she's only 10 when her mum dies. So at this point, Dad says, right, okay, what are we going to do with you, 10-year-old Elizabeth? Okay, you're going to go marry this, this kid over here. He's 15. Oh, gosh. And it's it's one of these, you know, the sort of like neat political marriage, you know, the sort yeah. of arrangement they used to do. At least he wasn't 30, 35, 40, 45, yeah. 50. Yeah, like... it, was, it was one of these like trying to join up families. And I, you know, she's 10, he's 15. They don't actually get married yet, but they're engaged um, okay. at this point. But then while she's engaged, before she's 13 years old, allegedly she gives birth to a child and she's not married yet. Well, when she's so 12. That, mm. So that's kind so of somebody interesting. Has, somebody has raped her. Yeah, evidently. And apparently a peasant family are paid to take the baby away. Now, I don't know about you, but if this really did happen to like a young 13-year-old girl growing up in a big castle like that, like, you know, a, the, rich, the rich family, the daughter who's going to be seriously protected, presumably, by the family and everything, there's no way that like she's unwatched and some peasant can just pop in and rape her it says to me that it's likely to be someone in her family oh totally trusted right totally yeah so i mean obviously that's total conjecture on my part we don't even know if this actually happened um because the rumor about this baby came out a good while after she died but it okay. does make sense to me that they would have suppressed a rumor like that don't you think while she and her husband were still living yeah kind of makes sense and also i mean the wedding does go ahead so she's 15 so they've been engaged for five years that's fine she's 15 he's 19 it's a bit young by today's standards but back then it was normal back, right back then compared to some of the stories we've heard 15 mm. was you know a very yeah. average age wasn't it to get married yeah, I, I do think so so when they get married there are four and a half thousand guests at this wedding so you're, you're going to get a sense of the importance of her and her family. Four and a half thousand. Are, right? Yeah. That's a lot of wedding cake. Yeah, in the middle of Transylvania or wherever they are. Um, and this, I think you'll like this actually. Apparently, since she was from the Bathory, the top prestigious family, she didn't change her surname to his. She refused and he changed his surname to hers when they got married. That's quite cool. I love that. Yeah, good for them. So for a wedding gift, his family give to her, her family, a castle in what is now present-day Slovakia. And it's got a country house and it contains 17 
villages which she now owns okay that's, <laughs> that's quite a wedding that's quite a right? wedding gift <laughs> i'd marry someone just for that right here's this <laughs> castle and all these villages that they've got people in but don't worry about that and yeah. <laughs> and this this country house there you go <laughs> not bad <laughs> so she now owns all this well i mean i guess together they do um and a couple of years later he goes off to war somewhere don't ask me details please don't ask me any details there's about always the war, war. <laughs> There's always war, yes. So she's left at home and she's in charge of the estates and running the business at home, looking after the local people, you know, and she apparently she does do some charitable acts. She looks after widowed women, women that have been raped during the various conflicts. She gives them home and jobs and money and stuff. So right. that's good. Mm -hmm. Now, in 1585, when she's 25, she has a daughter and then there's a gap, but she has a few more kids in the 1590s when she's in her 30s. And I think in total she has five. But I mean, you know, in those days, it wasn't uncommon to have a couple that would die at, you know, infancy or whatever. So who really knows? But she had so five she, that she gets married at 15. Yeah. And she has her first child at 25. Yeah. Which is really interesting because mm -hmm. she will have been at peak fertility in mm -hmm. those like mid-teens. And yet it took 10 years. Uh, sorry, that's clearly me going down the fertility route. Like, huh, how interesting. Yeah, well, that's your job. So of course you yeah. would be interested in that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was interesting too, that she has a bunch, maybe three or four in her 30s. Yeah, she has the most children in her 30s, yeah. which is like yeah. the later years. Good for her, I guess. But it is during this period that rumours start to circulate in the area about goings-on at the castle. So apparently her childhood habit of drinking blood has grown up with her and she believes, this is where it goes all horribly wrong, she believes that if she drinks the blood of young, youthful, pretty girls, she will stay youthful and beautiful herself. Oh dear. Yeah. So this is where it all gets a bit grim, guys. Apparently, she starts with servant girls aged 10 to 14 and the daughters of some local peasants. And she is luring them to the castle with offers of work as like a housemaid or whatever. Or sometimes she's just getting her thralls, her guys, to abduct these girls from the local area. Um, now, as to how many... The highest number of victims that were cited during the trial, which comes later, spoiler alert is 650. Say, say that again. The highest number of victims that are supposedly, that are cited. So during the trial, how many victims were there? Somebody says, we think we can trace 650 victims. 650? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this, this comes from a source that, it comes from um, a servant girl who worked for her who reckons that she saw this written down in one of Elizabeth's private books. But the book was never revealed, funnily enough. So mm. um, we don't know whether that was just exaggeration. A fabrication, yeah. Mm. So we don't know how many women and girls supposedly disappeared. But quite a few. And she doesn't just kill these girls swiftly. Oh, no. She is... A trained sadist from her youth so trigger warning <laughs> gruesome stuff coming up so apparently there are beatings so bad that the girls die just from the beatings 
There's burning of hands, mutilation of their hands for some reason. Apparently she liked to mutilate their hands. Um, and apparently she would even bite off their skin. And the worst one, actually, I don't know if this is the worst or not. One girl was apparently forced to cook and eat her own flesh. Oh. And I think maybe this is the worst one. She would apparently jam pins and needles underneath their fingernails to torture them. Ugh. So she she wanted to like play with them like toys and yeah, torture them as well as drink their blood. Yeah. According to the rumours, allegedly. <laughs> um the final one that I had was that apparently she would tie them down, smear them with honey and leave them to be attacked by insects. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of special. Inventive. And I just feel. mean. That's just mean. That's what like your 12 year old bully does at school or something. Just awful. I mean, these are Game of Thrones level horrible, really. I Yeah. So what's happening with the husband at this point. Is he still at war? Is he back? Um, so one rumor was that he was back and he arranged, he actually built a torture chamber to her specifications well, okay. to make her happy. I mean, I don't know about that. Um, but he dies in 1604. I think he's 48 at that point. So they've been married for like 30 years. Okay. So I don't, I'm not sure. At this point, when her husband does die in 1604, Apparently, at this stage, she becomes full-on female Joffrey from Game of Thrones, basically, right? So <gasps> it's like, you know, ever, ever, anyone that had any say and could hold her back has disappeared. And now she just... There is no holding this woman back anymore. Yeah, right. So now she just goes full-on and she just kills any woman, girl in the area that she can get her hands on, supposedly. She turns full-on psycho and she just... yeah. She's not even yes. trying to hide what she's doing anymore. Right. It gets so out of hand, in fact, that aristocratic young girls start to disappear. And this is the thing that gets the attention of the authorities. Because, you know, it's fine if we're killing off peasants, right? Oh, totally. To a penny. <laughs> it's fine. But if you're going to start taking the young daughters don't of touch lords the and money. ladies. Oh, yeah, no. Don't touch the money. So just before he died, this husband of hers entrusted his heirs and his widow to a cousin of his called Giorgi. Um, and eventually this guy goes on to lead the investigation into Elizabeth's crime. So I feel like he didn't do the best job of looking after the heirs and widow. But yeah. I mean, if, if she was genuinely murdering lots of people, then he did right by the dead guy, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, so you can you can see this going on and for ages nobody being able to interfere because this is, I mean, this is basically the royal family, right? She's in charge, like her family are in charge of the local government and everything, you know? But once you've got these aristocrats disappearing, no, in comes, you know, the, in fact, it's King, the King, King Matthias, Matthias. Matthias. Matthias, is it? Yeah, okay, I think it's Matthias. I'm really sorry, everyone. Um, he finally intervenes because of, like I said, the daughters of the local nobles going missing. And then in 1611, she and her collaborators, of which there are like maybe three or four guys who've been helping her out, like her servants and stuff, um, and maybe her favourites from the court, they get put on trial for 80 counts of murder that they think that they can prove. Although, like I said, 650 get mentioned at one point. 
Okay. So so it's anywhere between 80 and 650. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a lot. But remember they didn't really have they didn't have even fingerprinting or anything <laughs> back in those days. So, you know, it's hard to say. And of course a lot of them are just disappeared, you know, maybe they've run away, who knows. Mm. So this genuinely, this is how we know quite a lot about the fact that this really happened is because there genuinely was a court trial and there are records of this trial today. So this is not all conjecture. Some of this genuinely did happen. At least the court case happened. And they found more than 300 witnesses who either gave statements or testified at the trial. So Witnesses? Yeah, yeah, this Elizabeth Lass, she did not try to hide any of it, did no. she? <laughs> no, 300 right? people were able to, like, <laughs> witness. Yeah. Um, you've got, I mean, presumably some of the witnesses are just saying, my daughter's disappeared, I don't know where she is, you know. They didn't actually witness uh-huh. anything. You've got two court officials who say that they personally have witnessed her torture and kill young servant girls, and that she's done this on various properties that she owns. Um Although these guys gave their statements six months after she got arrested. And I do wonder to what extent they weren't just, you know, they had their arm twisted. Like, if you don't say what we want you to say, you know, we'll implicate you in the murders, maybe. I don't know. Um, And as I read into this story more and more, it got more and more interesting because, excuse me, I just had to do a little wine related Mm. hiccup there. It turns out that because her family are in power, there's this whole kind of political shift happening in this part of Europe at this time. And this king, how did you pronounce his name? Matthias. Matthias. Matthias, yeah. Matthias. This king Matthias, he wants to get the Battery family out. He, they don't agree. And I think this could be to do with the whole, you know, Catholic Protestant question or the various sort of political approaches. They wanted to get the Bathory family out of power, out of Transylvania, out of the parts of Hungary where they had all this money and power. And they wanted to get their own sort of people in charge. So when her husband and her uncle die, who are both quite politically important figures she's kind of the only remaining barrier to them taking control of these regions so it makes sense to me that they would go on a bit of a witch hunt right to get her out the picture wouldn't you think Uh totally so maybe she was set up I wonder. I mean, it reminded me of the whole um, Louis and Marie Antoinette situation. No, I mean, you know, some of the stuff they did to Marie Antoinette, they took her to court and they said that she'd sexually assaulted her own 10 year old son, which was, of course, nonsense. But they even got the kid to like they tortured him so much that he agreed that it had happened. He didn't know what was going on. And this is the sort of thing. I mean, they went on a massive campaign against her. So it makes you wonder. It doesn't sound like um, it was a very neutral jury or, a, you know, the, the people who had arranged all of this this trial. Um, it, they all had their own agenda, didn't they? That's right. I think they were, whether or not the rumours were founded or not, I, I mean, I really don't know. But certainly there was a political motivation for going against her. In any case, she was arrested, certainly. All of her collaborators were convicted and executed but somehow she managed to escape execution 
And I think it's because her family put in a lot of money they gave this king. I think actually the king, um, he owed the Bathory family a lot of money because they had all the money and they would just loan to the crown. And instead of having to pay off his debt, they wrote off his debt to free her. Well, not to free her, but to prevent her being murdered through execution. So instead, he gets his debt written off. And this would be like the equivalent of millions and millions of pounds. You know, this is a lot of money. And so instead of that, she gets confined to a room in a castle. It only has slits for air and she gets food. Basically, she's under house arrest for like three years. And then one night... I'd say that's a pretty good outcome for her. Like three years. I mean, yes and no. Yes, in the she... That she only gets house arrest instead of being executed but basically she is sentenced for she's sentenced to house arrest for the rest of her life and the reason i mentioned three years is that after three years she is one night reported to have cold hands she goes to bed and then she's found dead the next morning so yeah she only lives three years after this whole trauma and she had she has cold hands and then she never wakes up yeah how weird yeah, the the jailer or one of the stewards or whoever reported that she'd said, I've got my hands are so cold. And then, but I mean, maybe she had pneumonia or something. I mean, who knows? So was it all true? And she totally deserved to really, they should have executed her. And it was only because she had money that she money, escaped it. Yep. Or was she totally set up because of all this debt and the political thing, the, the Catholic versus Protestant question, and they wanted to get rid or... What? I mean, this is when the 30 Years War was happening. That started in 1618, which actually would be just after. But that started on a a religious basis, didn't it? So there was plenty of reasons to to give her a bad name. I mean, but what a crazy story to come up with, right? I mean, yeah, it's a little more than... I mean, it's a pretty big scale operation. I mean, they could have just said one murder. I know, it's pretty convoluted. (laughs) Yeah. So there you go. And so she dies and she she and her whole family owned the whole town where she was born and a bunch of other estates um, until she died. And then also conveniently her um, family member, the Prince of Transylvania, dies in 1613. And after them two, there's no more Bathory power at all. That's it. She's buried in 1614. And um, apparently when she's buried, some people said that the villagers were an uproar over having her buried in their cemetery and they forced the um, <laughs> the people to move her, her body back to her birth home um, where it was put in the Bathory family crypt. Um, but actually nobody seems to know where her body is today. And I suspect that it is, I can totally see the locals like being really upset about this and not wanting her horrible body well i mean there's nothing wrong with her body but you know all this horrible story and the curse of her body yeah. being in the town right well and you said what the villagers wanted her body back but surely no, they no, wouldn't they, have done they wanted to get rid of it they wanted to okay. send it away okay. so they arranged for it to be taken back to her home but and it's then she went missing now. okay yeah exactly so the legend of her um first appeared of her as a murderer first appeared in print for the first time in 1729 in a a history of the Bathory case the the actual you know 
court case that happened. Um, and then in 1817, you started to get some questions about it when the witness accounts were actually published. And at this point, there were no references to any bloodbaths, which people had been talking about. Um, and seemingly it was in 1850 when the question about the blood bathing seems to get sort of literary sort of uh it gets written down if you see what i mean um okay. but yeah certainly the idea that the long-held belief is that she bathed in the blood of her victims and that's why she was killing so many in order to stay young and that she might have actually been the prototype for dracula in that of course along with vlad the impaler so she the emphasis is on bathing, not drinking, right? She bathed yes, in the blood of her victims. She did also drink their blood um, in order to stay young as well. But yeah, but definitely bathing seems to eventually become the trope more than the drinking with her. It, it feels like the drinking is almost like, oh, it's the necessity, need to drink it in order to stay alive. Whereas bathing has got this like really decadent uh, yes. kind of thing going on hasn't it like there's so much so much of the blood that i can bathe in it yeah it's decadent i don't need this much blood but oh, i can just bathe in it all yeah and actually it would make sense for it to come from this whole epilepsy treatment having to drink a little bit of blood and it might even have just been you know cow's blood for all we know you know just they believed that worked and then that story grew up with her maybe she never even did anything more and then suddenly you can see people turning against her and it turning into this oh she bathed in blood so awful yeah <laughs> the like yeah the legend gets like out of out of control massively yeah. and and you know that is what happens i mean who doesn't love a bit of gruesome gossip right <laughs> <laughs> and chinese whispers turning it to some crazy story definitely people will have been fascinated and want to embellish it and make it more crazy and like they know more about it that's just what happens isn't it and it'll have been a way that the uh well, loads of people will have like made their girls behave by saying, oh, be careful. Ooh. You know, there was this kind of, you know, famous killer and she yes. bathed in the blood of virtue. So don't go out at night. Yes, I hadn't even thought of that. I wonder if it, that could have just been something getting out of like control. Like old wives, like tale thing, yeah. uh, urban yeah. legend, urban ledge. What do, you, what do you think? Do you think there was any truth in any of it at all or not? Oh, I mean, who knows, right? It was I mean, so knows. long ago. It was mm. so, like, 500 years ago-ish, just under. Yeah, it, I mean, it was like 15, 1600, 1560 she was born. My theory is that the blood drinking stuff is true because they would have believed, I can see them believing that, right? Medicine was was pretty backwards back then. Yeah, I mean, all sorts of stuff, all sorts. Um, they just made it up as they went along, didn't they? And it was like... Um, yeah what do you call it, uh, like a stereo, not a stereotype, superstition. Um, yeah. But I think that there is truth to girls, servant girls being accidentally brutalized to death. I can totally see a girl's misbehaved and they horsewhip her and she dies. Like yep. by out of, you know, it, by accident almost uh -huh. because they've just so brutally attacked her because people were really badly beaten for punishment in those days weren't they and i yeah. can also see you know uh, girls in the village get accused of stealing or something and they will be horsewhipped to death in the village square i mean that sort of stuff went on we know that that sort of stuff happened 
So I think there would have been some truth to this sort of sadism aspect of this ruling family. But beyond that, I don't think it was really true. That's my view. I mean, she she could have had a predilection for, yeah, harming, harming people. And, you know, there wasn't Netflix back then. There wasn't <laughs> a lot to do. So it's I wonder true. if, you know, just out, out of boredom, you know, yeah. she just experimented with like sadism. Who and knows? equally superstition. You know, if we were superstitious enough to drink blood, then why not be superstitious enough to bathe in it and think that it could keep you young? I mean, maybe, maybe she did. We'll never know. This whole bathing in blood has like worked its way into um, like modern television shows, right? That are still kind of uh, working back a few hundred years. There's a, a program I love called Outlander, uh, uh, which is like based on this, this Scottish guy and his English wife, Claire. And there's, um, I think it's series three or book three, where they go over to like a Caribbean island. And there's this female Scottish character who has also made her, her way there, separate to them. And she is introduced again to us as... Uh, that she's called like the Bagra or the Bakra. I'm, I can't quite remember her name. And um, there's like a young lad who um, is almost like kidnapped and she's bathing in the blood of virgins. So I guess it's male virgins in this particular program. Oh, but right. she, is, she is based on, on this woman, Elizabeth. I just know it. Right. Yes, it sounds that way. Surely. I mean, she's the precedent, right, for all of these absolutely I, I think yeah yeah cool i haven't actually seen outlander um but i'm aware of it maybe i, I should, should find it. you this episode because it's definitely yes. based on her could i watch the one episode and not need to watch all the others yeah possibly i mean i would hope that it would like suck you in and make you want to watch the whole thing because it's <laughs> cool. so brilliant caroline maybe i mean we've just finished watching all five seasons of moonlighting so we are ready for a new season of some sort oh, you <laughs> should you should get on outlander <laughs> brilliant cool so did you enjoy elizabeth battery what did you think i did i mean spooky <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know women uh in history are yeah we're not allowed to be bad are we so <laughs> whenever True. there's a story about a woman being bad it's like oh so bad yeah whereas extreme men are kind of bad but good like dracula has got this almost sexy romantic kind of thing going on hasn't it sometimes yeah, there's something yeah yeah a little a little it, bit like, in a kind of weird it, way erotic almost you know <laughs> well but... if, if you've seen the film with keanu reeves definitely yeah. yeah um but of course yeah bram stoker's dracula but yeah i feel like with women it's oh it's so bad when a woman goes bad she's so bad mm-hmm. nasty as donald trump would say that is a nasty woman right there. <laughs> awesome. And on that note, thank you for sharing Halloween with us, everyone. And thank you for listening. Please do go and give our Facebook page a like or you can join our Facebook group and uh, come and tell us what you thought in there. We'll have a chat with you. Um, and we're on Instagram at the underscore wife underscore who. And actually... I think we should announce, Louise, tonight that we are going to take a little break. We're thinking about doing a little Christmas episode, maybe, or a Christmas special of some sort. I don't know. Not promising, but thinking about it. And then we'll be back in the new year. 
um, with a new season. Yeah, yeah, we're closing to the end of season one, aren't we? I can't believe we actually have yep. seasons. We've done six months. We are seasoned. Yeah. Seasoned podcasters. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe we've been doing this since before lockdown. Like that's how 2020. Oh, wow. <laughs> we're, we're, if we make it into 2021... I just saw a really funny thing. Someone said, before I see 2021, I want to see the terms and conditions. (laughs) Really good. Yeah. (laughs) Top of them being, I hereby accept the uh, permission to use 2020 as a swear word. (laughs) Surely can't get any worse. Surely. Oh no, touch wood. I'm going to touch wood. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. (laughs) And if we are still in a pandemic, guys, we are here for you talking about women of history. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We can still do this remotely as we've proven through this year. And by, so. by guys, I mean <laughs> our two listeners, Nancy and Joe. Yeah. And Chris, actually. Our three yeah, listeners. Thanks, guys. Nancy, yeah. Joe and Chris. Thank thanks, you. guys. We love you. And and Mum and Rita, thank yeah. you. Shout out, you guys. You are the hardcore <laughs> and we appreciate you. And big shout out to Dodge for editing everything. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. He really has worked so hard and um, and all for free. And we just love him. Thank you. Mwah. Kisses. <laughs> and I'm going to do a fake clink. Ching. Oh, that wasn't a very good one. <laughs> Ching. Nana. Let me try again. Bye, guys. Slightly nice ringtone. <laughs> uh, and we'll see you maybe around Christmas. And if not, in the new year. Good night. Goodbye.